we can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Hello and welcome to Golazo, the Mexican football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is Manu Vets. Manu, how have you been? Really busy. You know, Bryce, this is um, Champions League week, the last one before Christmas, and the Football Grad Network is, I, I think we try to count it in our, in our Slack chat, I think it's four or five games live over the next two days. So oh. you can imagine, um, it's the logistics are it's just killing me. But it's good. It's really good. Um, it's good. It's I get good. to talk a bit about Mexican football to take my mind off it. So I'm happy about that. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. This this uh, dark dark uh, uh, days are starting to take its toll on everyone. But you know what? Uh, Christmas is just around the corner, and um, a lot of us will get a little bit of time to. Uh, to uh, have, have a bit of respite, I feel, and I suppose with the uh, with the German football uh, winter break and Mexican football um, closing up rather shortly for a for a little period, um, it 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 means I suppose you know we'll we'll get a chance to breathe, won't we? Because it's go 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 at the moment, as you said, the last Champions League before uh, the new year as well. But um, Manu and I aren't alone. We need another. Man, another another hands on deck, will we say? Uh, so, the return of Ollie Duxbury. Ollie, how have you been? I've been not too bad, thank you. I can't say I've been as busy as you two with the Mexican league slowly winding down, and we've now just two games to go. Now I can the finish lines ahead, and I can look forward to quite a nice little break for three weeks, which is I think going to be needed after a lot of late nights for the past five months. <laughs> Well, Ollie, I know that you're going to have plenty of uh, Blackburn Rovers to uh, follow over oh, yes. the winter periods. <laughs> um, how's things going on that front? If we just uh, have a little second on it before we move on? Uh, actually, a lot better than I think we might last last discuss. We've won four in the row in the league. I think we're up to fourth now. We drew. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's actually going quite well. So yeah. we've got a, ga- got, got a game in hand. So the promotion push is back on for the moment, at least. Well, there you go. And Mexican football winding down, you've still got that to focus on. And it sounds pretty good, eh? Yeah. Uh, and there's always always Bundesliga to watch if you have to. Of course. Uh, <laughs> but, guys, let, let's focus Mexican. That's what we're here for. Nobody wants to hear about uh, any of the other leagues if they're <laughs> tuning in. Um, and, yeah, the semifinals have been and gone. Last week, we were obviously on here talking about how they were going to be rather close-knit affairs, we, we expected. But... Um, uh, yes, some of us would have preferred the likes of Morelia to, to reach the final, like myself. But uh, realistically, I think the two teams we all suspected would be in the final have reached the final. And that's Monterey and Tigres. Uh, they were the two strongest teams in the uh, league format before got to Ligia knockout stage. And yes, they're meeting once again in the final. But um, guys, let's talk a little bit about how these teams got there and uh, i think we'll we'll start off with club america took on tigres this was um one that we especially said should be a rather close pair and uh, thought that america would probably shut up shop uh making it rather tough for their opponents um i think it was um herrera who even said that he had fully well planned to to play a only i believe it was a four five one against them in the uh in the home leg, uh, which um, came under a little bit of uh, uh, criticism, uh, I think, from some of us, saying that maybe it wasn't the best way to take them on. But that game ended 1-0. That, that was the first um, leg. Uh, the second leg, um, where Tigres were at home, was a little bit more one-sided in 3-0. It, it finished. Um, Oli, uh, on aggregate, you got 4-0 here. Was it as one-sided as the scoreline would suggest? In the end... 
It was, but that was mainly because America, for the last half an hour of the second leg, were down to nine men. So they were just having to do a lot of, I say a lot of defending. They weren't really having, they were trying to pile forward to get the goals they needed and couldn't do much defending. It was, for, for one and a half like, of the games, it was quite tight. The first leg was especially tight. That was only decided by quite a controversial penalty. But and it, and it, as, well, if you were to just take it the score over to, you think, 4-0 Tigre, they must have just walked all over them. They America did have to make them work, but eventually Tigre just were able, were able to just like grind them down. And America, who I mean, over the course of the, the quarterfinals and so far, didn't score a single goal, just never really posed Tigre a threat. Yeah, me to add to that, we we had our doubts about that formation, right? Mm-hmm. We did, yes. Five, three, two, and uh, if you don't keep. Tigers off the scoreline, you have to score yourself to have a chance in that second leg. And didn't we? I think we pretty much said that if Club America go with a deficit into the second leg, it would be very, very difficult. And the penalty was contentious. I guess we'll mm-hmm. get to talk about that in a moment. But I mean, when you look at the overall statistics, except for ball possession, which we've now learned doesn't matter in Mexican football. <laughs> uh, the team that has the ball tends to lose more often than not. But 18 to 8 shots, Ollie, for Tigers in the first yeah. leg. Whew. And uh, 12 to 4 shots inside the box. That is, that's a hockey stat. Um, and that, that just shows you, you know, that that formation didn't work. It was too defensive. It was too passive. It didn't, you know, you, yes, I understand Tigers have this like enormous firepower and it's really hard to shut them down. But you can't lose the first leg against them and then hope to fix that in in Monterey. It's just not possible. Yeah, they need you need to sort of like fight fire with fire in a way. It's sort of like sort of the way Leon did it. They weren't afraid to when they attacked. They really went for it, and that sort of put they they were able to put the pressure on Tigre. America did that for a little bit at the start of the second leg. The first ten fifteen minutes, they they were really hunting the ball. They were really putting the pressure on Tigre. And I was thinking, good if they can keep this up. For the rest of the game, then we're going to have a tie in here. America could nick a goal, and then it's all, it's all go from there. But that just slowed down after 15, 20 minutes, and Tigre just slowly they got their passing game going. America just dropped off completely. You just thought, I mean, if they don't, if they can't get back to this level they started at, and which they never did, then this is just going to be easy for Tigre in the end, which it eventually turned out that it was. But I mean, uh, Ollie, would you say if you if we speak about um, America and Herrera, would you? It probably go down as a, a fairly successful campaign on their behalf. Whether he, you know, he you know, mustered up the right tactics or not, you know, for the semi-final, I mean, they they went a lot further than what maybe people would have expected. I mean, we we've mentioned several times on the podcast about uh, people saying that it would probably be a transitional period for them, and you know, for them to get to a semi-final, that's pretty good going. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Right, out of my mouth. this is a transitional season for them, and to get yeah, to get to semi-finals is a good. Good achievement. I think now they can sort of. Some of the fans were commenting after the uh, leg that they were like they want like a, not like an upheaval, but like certain players have to go. And they were all agreeing on like four or five different players. I think it was people like Silvio Romario, uh, Darwin Quintero, one of the defenders. I think was it, was it Carlos Vargas? Just people like that that they just want to sort of like move on. I think you don't want to be too drastic about it. Herrera, it will take time to get this this tactic he gets to work efficiently and properly just just need they need to be a little bit more patient i think getting to the semi-finals and getting beaten by tigra i mean it's i mean tigra the second best side in the league it's not the end of the world but probably the, just the way the second leg ended will just really hurt them yeah and the, the second leg we've seen uh, two red cards as well which um well actually let, let's talk about the first leg before we even get to the red cards uh, in that game let's let's talk about that penalty decision which I, yes we'll we'll look at the the stats and as Manu said you know it was 18 shots that uh, Tigres had and it was a very one-sided affair but it did take a penalty for them to uh, get the upper hand uh, going into the second leg and uh, I, I can only imagine Herrera was um rather frustrated at that because maybe his game plan of keeping you know a, a clean sheet against them and maybe them thinking twice about their tactics going into the second leg uh, were all altered by this because I mean they went to put a cross in uh, didn't they uh, the defender comes sliding in and 
uh, at first you go, what's happened there? I don't quite understand. You know, maybe it's hit an arm, but it's actually come off his face. And I, I think they can really be hard done by. I mean, is there anyone on this pod um, that's going to say that they thought it was a penalty? And if they can, can you explain to me how it possibly was? It's, it's, I mean, I'll be hard to put up an argument for it. Maybe it sort of hits the side of his like right face and maybe comes down onto his arm, but it's already hit his face first. So it's just a, a lucky, just a very lucky break that Tigre got that they needed in the away leg. Yeah, I, I would find it hard to argue that as a penalty. I could see it in real time, maybe. Yeah. You know, I guess they don't have VAR in, in Mexico and it's, of course, it's going to be rolled out for the next Liguilla in the spring and but I could see in real time obviously we we have the privilege of seeing many many replays right and when you see it in full speed I could sort of see where the decision comes from but obviously when you see the replays it's it's quite obvious that it's not a penalty and um, you know because they the rule says that it has to be an unnatural hand move and it has to be, um, you know, he has to play the the ball with intent and I don't see that there. So it's tough, but, you know, on the other hand, um, we rattled off some of these stats in the first leg and um, the aggressiveness that Tigris had and, you know, one of the things that happens usually is that the better teams get penalties more often because they will spend more time in the opponent's um, penalty box, right? So... Although I think the penalty call was a tough one, I think that overall Tigers deserved the result. So it's you know, maybe it's uh, to make up for the fact that uh, Herrera's side was basically just trying to destroy this match rather than adding anything to it. Yeah, that's it. It's um, it, it certainly would have altered the uh, going into the second leg, wouldn't it? Um, if it had been nil nil, maybe um, I don't know, maybe America. Uh, you would have set up a little bit differently, maybe a little bit more compact. I tried to um, just hit them on the counter or what, but it's a, it ended up a rather one-sided affair in the second leg. Ollie, would would you say that it's because America realised that they had to come out, they had to play a bit of football, they had to attack um, Tigres, because um, otherwise, if if they just sat back and parked the bus, it, it was gonna it was gonna do them no favours. Yeah, they they sort of like realised that okay, we have to go two up front here. We need to really press, go on the front foot and try and do that, which they did early in the second leg. But I think earlier they sort of just dropped off very quickly. They made a, made a couple of subs, but it didn't really impact it. And then you had the two red cards, I think losing Guido Rodriguez. I mean, he's always, he's always good for a red card. I think that's his fourth this season. If you include a cup suspension, and probably he's, and he already missed four games this season because he had one carried over last season. But you lose someone like that who's like very it's so influential in your midfield, and then you lose a defender. And I think it was already they already conceded a goal by that time, so there's really no coming back. But it would have been nice maybe in the first leg to see Herrera go to up front because you would have thought they're always going to have to score in Montre- in uh, Tigre because I just you always feel Tigre is good for a goal, but Herrera has his tactics and it just backfired on him. I think it's funny that Herrera went the four-three-three, which is always the tactic that uh, the traditional, almost the traditional Club America tactic, right? With the three strikers up front, and um, I think that would have been the tactic in the first leg. Well, well, I mean, we, we talked about you know the, them being uh, very aggressive. We mentioned that the whole campaign that you know they're, they're quite aggressive side that uh, Herrera likes he likes his teams to get stuck in but here's just a few stats um, to point out and then I'll let you guys decide whether being aggressive is a good thing or whether they, it causes them more problems so so we look at this they ended up with more yellow cards than anyone else uh, 59 who came second and third was Cruz Azul on 55 and uh, T. Or Tijuana with 53. But then if we go to red cards, they've had nine red cards. Second, Veracruz on six, uh, Toluca on five. So, so it's you know, almost a third different or 50% difference from uh, Veracruz. But then we go further down as well um, and look at the stats. Penalties against 10. The top of that, 10 penalties of giveaway. Um, who's second after that is uh, Leon and Carataro. Six. 
And I mean, those those two teams didn't get quite as far. So, so yes, I mean, them being aggressive is part of their game. You know, they get stuck in. But you know, if you read these stats, I mean, they've also got two of the highest tackle per game than any others. Obviously, no surprise. But I mean, to give away ten penalties, mm. you know, to have nine red cards. I mean, you know, if you're one nil up or nil nil, and you have a man sent off or you give away a penalty, which seems to happen all too often here. That, that causes problems as well. You know, it, it's hard to come back from that when you're giving these away needlessly. Um, do you think that um, a lack of discipline is then at a detriment? Because this certainly applies to it or, or, or points towards it, sorry. Uh, what, what, what do you think, Manu? Because, I mean, we've seen two red cards in this game as well. So this is the is this the regular season or does this include the Liguela as well, Bryce? This is the Liguela as well. Obviously, there's going to be more games than some of the other teams, but, I mean, their stats are... Head and shoulders above the other ones. Yeah, I mean that's uh, nine red cards and twenty-one games, right? Um, yeah, that's almost that's also re- ten penalties against in twenty-one. So games. Yeah, that's basically wow. a penalty every second game, and a red card almost every second game. Um, I mean, they play like Miguel Herrera acts. That's that, I mean, we said this already <laughs> in last week's part, right? That's the way Club America play and. And to a certain extent, there's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, discipline is a big part of the game. And you can't win um, games when you have one or two guys sent off. And this is this is the thing. It's like it always seems to come in bunches for Club America. I think the second leg against Tigris is a great example for that, where they had two guys sent off, right? It's never just one. It's usually one, two, or even three. So, And those games are always throwaways then for them. And, I mean, this is... Mexican football has this a bit more, I guess, than other leagues. The 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 problem with discipline. Um, I remember the the final, uh, I guess, a year ago now between Tigers and Club America, where I think there was five red cards in that game. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ollie, but I think it was five red cards in that final game. I think it was. Yeah, there was a lot towards the end. Yeah. It really just sort of kicked off before it went to penalties. Yeah. But that that was that also involved Club America. So yeah. I mean, discipline is a big part of the game, and um, I don't think you can't you can't expect to win trophies if you constantly have a guy sent off. It's actually kind of it's actually a miracle that they managed to finish third in the regular season with these kind of numbers. Yeah, it just seems uh, ludicrous, doesn't it? I'm, I mean, I'm looking at just through stats as well, thinking I wonder what else I can dig out here, and uh, there are some of. Uh, rather alarming ones as well i mean if if we go to for example where was it it was um sorry shots per game <laughs> which is quite interesting uh there's shots per game at the moment or up to this point uh, where they finished off they actually came 18th wow so they it averaged 8.4 shots per game they come last in the standing how did they manage to finish third? I was about to say. <laughs> and they scored 23 goals in 21 games. Yeah, that's that's a shocking number. This is yeah. not the Club America side that you know that I know from back in the day. I think that is something that they obviously have to work on. And I, I think that's probably... I mean, this is something... If, it's funny because we kind of talked about this last week, right? Oli, the, that we didn't like the way he set up his sides. Um, Miguel yeah. Herrera, that is. Because... I remember that um, CONCACAF Champions League final between Club America and Montreal and they played in uh, 4-3-3 and Benetto was one of the strikers. You know, was a highly rated Argentine striker um, linked with all sorts of clubs in Europe before he tore his ACL uh, last month. And that's the kind of players that they had. And I don't see a single guy like that, you know, that, that 20 goals, goals a season guy it's not there. Romero used to be. He used to be a fantastic striker, right? But there's not much there right now either. And I, I feel like that philosophy, they kind of they kind of undermined their own philosophy by playing this this really almost like Jose Mourinho kind of style of football for lack of better better terminology. Yeah, no, I agree. So, I don't know. Um- I'm I'm quite surprised. I mean, it's some more I've I've just dug here, and I've only dug while we've been on the pod as well, kind of looking at the odd stat while you guys have been talking. 
and I, it, it's quite baffling, really, I mean, how they've managed to get so far. So well, I'll, I'll finish off with one final stat, just because I'm baffled by this as well. So obviously, um, they played four games in the Ligue 1. They played uh, the quarterfinals, two legs. They played the semifinal, two legs. But in their last eight games, Ligue 1 and uh, in the league format, how many goals did they score, man? I guess. I would say... Oh, I don't have to start in front of me, so I do actually have to guess. I know, I'm, I'm making you both guess. I think four, I might four know goals, this. Four goals. Uh, and what, what have you got, Oli? I think it is... Is it two? Two. Two, yeah. Two, two goals in eight games. It's... You wonder how a team gets so far. <laughs> I mean, we're saying, obviously, that they, um, they've had a rather successful um, campaign. And I, th- I think we all agree that they have, but you look at that and you just go, how does that manage to happen? But you know what? This reminds me, <laughs> this reminds me of Chivas in the Clausura. And Chivas didn't... Didn't they even they didn't score a goal in regular play until the final, didn't they? I think so, yeah. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. So I mean this is the this is the setup of Liga Max that allows you to sneak through. I, I'd be very curious to see. Um I think that Club America, maybe just to round up the topic, but you know, the draft is of course in um as always in Cancun, right? Um over Christmas time after the final. And they will have to do something. They will have to really do something to the squad because I can see a lot of games that went their way. If they go the other way, I could see them have the same kind of problems that Chivas had in the upper tour. You know, like completely utterly missing the playoffs and um, not even getting anywhere where they were right now, especially with those numbers that you're just pointing out. I mean, I didn't think it was that bad with just two goals, but it's not just the the... You know, the discipline issues, they're all fine if you're scoring tons of goals. But you can't not score goals and be indisciplined because if you don't have the discipline, that means your entire defensive tactics isn't working either. So I think they're, they're in huge trouble. Uh, that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow over Christmas, I well, think, because they will well, have to it, do something. It's one of those that when you look at the stats, uh, we look at you know how many red cards they were having, how many penalties they were giving away, how they've scored two goals in, in eight games. That leaves a very far or very slim margin for things to go from having a successful campaign of getting this far to actually things being disastrous. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden, we've we seen Chivas, didn't we, in this campaign? They were conceding goals. They couldn't hold on to the ball. They, they weren't creative. I mean, all of a sudden, if America started conceding you know, more goals you know, on, a, on, a, on a regular basis... You know, they're not scoring goals, so all, all of a sudden, you know, they they get themselves, you know, the last few spots in the league. You know, and their the, their priority has to be to get goals. And I mean, Ollie, you're going to be the best person probably to speak to here. Is it as obvious as they just need a goal scorer? They just need a striker, or is it actually the creativity in the side as well? It's probably a little bit of both. I mean, they do have creative players. Playing behind the striker at the playing behind Porto at the moment, you've got people like Quintaro, Aribe, uh, Domingos to an extent, Baron Lyon. So there, there is creative players there, but the strike the strikers have been poor this season. I mean, Romero has been especially poor when he's played. I mean, he's just I think maybe bar one game where he looked to like more like his old self, he was just pretty dreadful. I mean, they've, they've been looking at someone like Rui Diaz, for example. I think America have been sort of sniffing around him for a while now and. He would be a he plays like the lone role for um, Monarcos, and if if he does say, for example, he does join America, he would probably be playing the lone role there as well, maybe with Peralta. So, and he's a great poacher. He's a great poacher. So, I, I do there there is it seems to be just missing that one piece at the moment that if I can get someone who can score like ten goals, which doesn't sound like a lot, but obviously they only play seventeen games in the uh, regular season, that will make so much difference to them. Yes, these fine margins, as we were talking about, eh? But do you really need a striker like Ruidias? I don't. I, yeah, I mean, I know, I know it's. I've only seen that because I know I've seen they've been linked with them. But again, it's like, does he fit America's mold? Does he fit Herrera's style of player? Maybe not. That's the thing. Maybe mm. he's sort. Of, he's, he's a bit more diminutive. He's a bit more nippy. Likes to be played in behind, and America don't really seem to do that. They like. 
not a physical striker at all. He's not at all, no. And like in comparing to someone like Peralta, who really likes to put yeah. himself about, it's like it would be a, a complete total contrast. Maybe if they played together, it would work. But mm. if he plays, but he plays by himself, they'd have to sort of change the system to fit around him, like they sort of do with Monarcos. It's all built around Rui Diaz. Whereas you can't imagine him coming into Club America and suddenly being like, right, scrap all what we're doing now. It's all going to fit around this guy. But you need someone like Cortado, right? Yeah, I mean. That would be an amazing signing, but yeah. they're not gonna been... get, they're not gonna get him. But that's that's the God kind no. of striker they need. Um, yeah, like yeah. someone like Funes Mori, like, you know, someone who's fast, strong, yeah. tall. Someone, someone who's just just like a flat track bully. Yeah, yeah. Long he doesn't get turned off as well. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think I think that's the type of striker that they would uh, prefer. I mean, do we see? Um, just before we move on to the other teams, because it's, it's we've got quite a lot of topics to, to cover. But um, Manu, I've I've mentioned plenty, you know, um, you know, maybe on the on the other pods or just in talking. And um, I mean, it's always the when it comes up to your Christmas time, you know, the transfer window maybe opens again, uh, and players are looking to to move on to get into their World Cup squads, you know, whatever their nationality is, you know, because I mean, everyone wants to go into the World Cup on form does that mean that club america will possibly be able to pick someone up do we reckon you know and have them for the second second half of the uh well the, the calendar year and um you know, maybe be able to resolve this and then push on a little bit the question is who are you gonna get i mean we had um the fernando torres rumor right in in the summer and i guess with atletico atletico madrid now being able to <laughs> Um, with Atletico de Madrid now being able to sign players, um, again, that, that could be a possibility. Yeah, one signing that would be, eh? Fernando Torres. Um, but yeah, guys, I, I feel we, we've covered that half. Um, anyway, uh, you're between those uh, two sides, uh, American Tigers, uh, more than enough. Um, uh, I just hope that we find as many interesting stats on the next two sides. So in the other semi-final, we've had uh, Monacos uh, Morelia uh, taking on uh, Monterrey. Um, Morelia, very much a, a bit of a surprise inclusion um, amongst uh, the four teams to get to the semi-finals. Uh, the other three lesser so. Uh, but Monterrey always been hot favourites. I mean, I did say that I would like Morelia and Ray Diaz to get to the final. That was not the case. The first leg uh, where Morelia were at home ended 1-0 to Monterey and the second leg where Monterey were at home, it was 4-0. It was a, a, somewhat of a thrashing, wasn't it? Um, where we actually had uh, Ray Diaz and my man uh, miss a penalty um, after a 1-0. So, um, yeah, Oli... We're looking at this being a five nil, uh, you know, over two legs. This was somewhat more one-sided than the other semi-final. It was in a way, and at, for, I don't say at the same time it wasn't because obviously it ended up being five nil. But first leg, Monarchs were really good. They probably didn't deserve to lose. Okay, they lost it to a penalty. It was a bit of a rash challenge, I think, from Guzman to basically just basically just swing a leg, give away a lazy penalty. But they really took the game to them. They're like. Open like I'm not kind of saying opening half, but the entire game they were just really good. They hit the bar. I think Gonzalez made at least two very impressive saves. They were very unlucky to not take uh, at least a, a draw into the second leg, let alone a victory. I think I am looking at some of the stats earlier, and Monarcos not just across the first leg, but both legs like boss possession. I think first leg they had like over sixty percent ball possession, which is quite remarkable when you think the way okay Mont- we know Monterey do like to turn the counter attack but even to have 60% against them is quite impressive and maybe in another another day in the first leg they go into that second leg with a goal to sort of like something to keep them buoyant but as soon as Monterey do what they do in the second leg and just sort of turn it on for that little bit you just saw there was no way back it wasn't helped by a few errors in defence especially for the first goal It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's an interesting one because we are sort of debating whether uh, Monterey could be in trouble in this game because the Monarchas may give them the ball, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't at all. So I guess that kind of yeah. that, that helped them. But the the 62% ball possession against Monterey is something yeah. that we've seen many, many times throughout the season. That doesn't seem to bother them at all. But the one stat that shocks me is the 402 passes for Monarcas versus 244 passes for Monterey. And that is if that isn't shocking enough, Monarch, uh, Monterey had, a, had an accurate pass percentage of just 59% as opposed to 78% for Monarchas. That's, that doesn't, that's not the numbers of a team that bossed another team, right? Mm-hmm. And that's all, of course, the first leg. Um, but I guess Monterey really don't like to have the ball. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the conclusion, my Monterey conclusion. Of the season. Yeah, well, well, we have seen this happen a, a lot with Monterey this season, haven't we? We've seen there being a lot more direct uh, than pr- maybe previous times, or more direct than a lot of the uh, the rivals, you know, in in, in the MX. But uh, I suppose look at the stats as well. Their average uh, percentage um, possession was actually forty five percent, and for a side that um, has well nearly won everything and always looked uh, impressive. Um, they don't want the ball, and that seems to be the way that they they operate, isn't it? And then they're so deadly on the counter, uh, and so lethal with their finishing, clinical. That you know, it, it seems to work perfectly for them. I mean, they've just got so many options up top that they seem to be able to just let all the teams come at them. Yeah, I don't know how they do this because I mean, without giving too much away, they, they did the same thing in the second leg. <laughs> <laughs> how do you give? Okay, everyone knows. Everyone knows that you're this amazing attacking side, right? Everyone knows that the one way to beat you is by letting you play. Yet they still manage to have even teams that are lower down the standings boss them in possession, and they make the most out of that. It, it's baffling. I don't. I don't quite understand it. I mean, I grew up in a world of Pep Guardiola, where possession is everything, because if you have the ball, you don't have to run. They are like, if you don't have the ball, we just need to sprint and we still win. <laughs> that, that's, that's literally how they play. And it, it's, it's um, I mean, Antonio Mohamed, um, he's, he's made a science out of this. And it's remarkable. I mean, I, I would like to have just a full-on tactical analysis maybe one day from one of the the big brains over someone like Spieferlago just like dissect a game from throughout in full 90 minutes and just tell me exactly how they do this. Because it's, it's incredible. Because now, you, now to, to put this into perspective, this would be like Bayern München giving Hannover the ball for a full 90 minutes, sitting deep and just trying to hit them. No team in Germany would do this. Or in England, the same thing. You know, we, we chatted about that a little bit on the uh, game pressing podcast yesterday, right, Bryce? It's remarkable how they do this because they're by far the most talented side. The only side that is as talented as they are is Tigris. Yet they still manage to give these lesser talented teams the ball and basically say, well, you guys just play around the ball, pass around. I mean, Monarchus again had, had outdid them in pass and pass accuracy. It's, it's, it's something that, I mean, it's a fascinating one. I, I, w- I would like to see a study, and I, I and it's working. That's the other thing. It's like you know, football always involves and always changes. And it, the fascinating thing about this one with Monterey is it's it's working for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it almost doesn't seem to make any sense, does it? When you look at it in the way and the way that we're uh, programmed to think football is, I mean, um, <laughs> it's there's some it's some really interesting stats as well. When I looked down through it as as well, I mean. They've 
They came third with total amount of shots per game. That is not a surprise. Not a surprise at all. But actually third on tackles. So that means obviously they're giving the other side the ball and they're waiting and they're pouncing on them. Uh, you know, and really going at them. I mean, second on falls per game. But they've won the most amount of penalties as well. That, again, less of a surprise. Uh, <laughs> they've obviously scored numerous goals. Uh, an awful lot of goals. Uh, but they've actually come second on big chances missed. So how many goals could they have scored if they had been actually more prolific? Which is obviously mind-boggling, isn't it? I mean, yeah, the, the stats just... I'm looking through them all and they just don't seem to add up, really. <laughs> it's just, it's amazing the stats that have come across today, but that's Liga MX for you. Um, <laughs> let, let, let's, let's talk about that, that second leg as well. Um, the, as Manu mentioned... It was a rather one-sided affair in the score term, so it, it finished them um, 4-all. It was 3-0 at, at half-time, but um, only 40% possession again. Um, I had more shots. Um, Oli, how, how did this go? I mean, it looks like they were just played their game, Monterey. They did. That's, that's it's what they did in the first leg, but they were just that much more clinical slash Monarchos defended badly for two slash three of the goals if you include the giving away of penalty. I mean, Monarca started well. They had, obviously, they hadn't got the ball. They were creating a few chances. I mean, throughout the game, Monarca's finishing was pretty woeful. I mean, Gonzalez had to make a few saves, if I remember. Maybe the only one of real note was the penalty save, which is such a crucial point as well. It was only 1-0. But it was, it was a weird one. Monarca, so I normally think, are quite good at defending. The first goal literally just came from Goalie, goalkeeper clearance, missed absolutely everyone. And Phineas Mori just sort of ran through and tucked it home. I think, and I think his Phineas Mori's second goal, which was the third for Monterey, uh, just a lot, deep free kick sort of came in. Sosa, who's been, if I mean, if I was putting a, a team of the tournament together for the side I cover, he would be in it, but made an absolute clangor, just dropped the ball into Phineas Mori, who was basically put into an em- empty net. So they got a bit fortunate with two of the goals, but they just looked really comfortable and they were they were happily turning over the ball quite consistently from like the, either just allowing Monarchs to have shots on way out and when you've got those like three in Funes Mori, Pavon, Sanchez, Hurtado was uh, injured for this game mm. teams are just scared like Monarchs just were sort of more than happy in like sort of the first half of the pitch but as soon as they crossed when Monterey crossed over the halfway line they were, there was like straight away, there was like panic in the defence because they knew they they just zip the ball around so quickly and just pull people out of position. They've just got players who can score from anywhere. And it just, in the end, it's just a little bit too much for Monarchos. I can't get over these stats. It, it, I'm, I'm looking at them now and it's just that, that literally, apart from this, what, four or five stats that are in Monterey's favour and everything else is Monarchos. It's just like, if you just base it on that, you would think, well, this is an easy Monarchos win. But... This is Monterey we talk about. And this is just this is just what Monterey do, and you can imagine. I don't want to talk about the final too early, but the way Tigre play and the way Monterey play, it's it's going to suit Mon- Monterey. Yeah, this yeah, is, this it, is remarkable. It, it's <laughs> yeah. hard to look past Monterey. It's, it seems like they find a, a setup and a system that just works very effective for them, and they they don't need they don't need to to dominate a game. They'll find a way to beat you. Yeah, yeah, which is which is pretty. Smart. I mean, Oli, who who has, has been the standout player for uh, Monterey? You know, they've got a lot of talent there. You know, you Pabon, you know, scores plenty of goals, or you know, has or scores five goals. You have plenty for any other team. But then you've got Mori, who scored twelve, and Hurtado, who scored fourteen. I mean, I, I mean, there's a lot of good players to pick from there. But who's been for you, the standout player for that time. I probably have to go with... It's hard, it's hard to pick just one. I want to go about two or three. Hurtado, for me, has just been unbelievable. I don't think I've seen him play a bad game this season. He might have had... Did he have a bad one in a cup game? Or was it when they played against Pueblo or Lobo? Either way, he's just been, like, unbelievable. Like, he's come from Tijuana and just absolutely smashed it. He got, what, 11 and 17 in the regular season. I think Hugo Gonzalez is a seriously good goalie. I mean... Osario should be looking at him to get in the Mexico squad, even just like a number two and number three, because he's been phenomenal. And then I think I've, I've, I've talked about this guy before, Jonathan Gonzalez in midfield. Unbelievable. I mean, the last like four or five games, he's just been 
on a, like another level for an 18 year old to mm. be the main man in this midfield like okay he's Mexican but so he doesn't have to be rested up for the uh, foreign player rule but that he was to drop uh, Kels- Kelso Ortiz I think that's how you pronounce his name who's like a mainstay in their midfield just able to rest him out for the foreign player rule because they know they've got this 18 year old who just dominates the games it's just sort of remarkable to see just his rise this season where like last season he didn't even play a game and now he's probably like one of the first names on a Mohammed team sheet I, I would go along with that I think Hurtado was the missing puzzle piece yeah and I'm so curious to see when the first European teams are going to copy the style of football mm-hmm. I think that's that's really a story that's brewing here because I mean of course Pep Guardiola developed his final touches on his football philosophy in Mexico, right? That's something that's always overlooked. And I'm just I'm just waiting for the, the hipster coaches and trainers out there to, to pick this one and to say, well, you can win championships without needing the ball. You know, that's this is this is remarkable. <laughs> I, I I just I mean it is. It's it's like I don't know anything it's it's groundbreaking. Because like for years we've been taught you have to have the ball in order to win. And it shows you that you don't. Well, that, that's it. By not having the ball and sitting deep and maybe inviting your opponent onto you, it's a very dangerous game. Very dangerous game. I mean, mm. if you're setting up... I mean, we see Mourinho set up like this with different sides, but, you know, especially when he goes to play, like, top six sides, um, it seems, in the, in the Premier League, he sets up this way to, to park the bus, as they say. Uh, uh, but he's almost not even looking to win the games in that way. I mean... Then beating Arsenal, uh, I was listening to something uh, just earlier today, and they said that the uh, the stats were very similar in that way. They beat Arsenal three one, but actually I think they only had it was something crazy like in the twenties of the percent um, that uh, you know that they had. So he's the only one I can think at the moment uh, that would replicate something similar than that. But more than often. It ends up as a draw when they sit that defensive and they don't win. Like I mean, Monterey win every game practically. You know, <laughs> uh, we we seen them slip up once, didn't we? Um, you know, and we and we thought that this was it. It was not long after the international break, but I mean, they've, they've just been relentless. And it will be interesting to see if either the stat or the the, the tactics go over to Europe and they start doing that, or whether it's actually uh, Mohammed that possibly gets. Mm snapped mm-hmm. up and he gets a job over there and then he tries to um you know to enforce it and I, I suppose then it comes down to has he got the the squad that he can do that with uh, i mean pep or anyone else can go to another squad if they don't have the, the right players the right setup it may not work um he's obviously got everything you know working you know perfectly you know in, in this um in this this side, you know, so um, I, it, it'll be interesting to see what what the next move for him or the stat is, who me or tactic is, and who um who makes the move first. Um, um I just just one thing. I think the one difference between him and uh, Jose Mourinho is that Mo- Monterey, and we need to point this out. Despite this, these statistics, they are a lot of fun to watch. So it's not it, yeah. it is a park the bus kind of mentality, but it's it's the it's like a park the bus with a rocket launcher installed on it. <laughs> oh, park, the, the party bus. Yeah, the party bus. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's absolutely true. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that he's parking the bus. I mean, he has so much more than that. I mean, they outscored everyone mm. by parking, by so-called parking the bus, if you wanted to call that. You don't do that when you park the bus. <laughs> if you park the bus, you've got stats like America do, mm. you know? Yeah, so it's 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 phenomenal, really, how he's, how he's managed to do this. It, it would have been interesting to see them come up against America, possibly in the final, where you know, I think Herrera would have been happy just to go and even announce he's going to play everyone behind the ball. <laughs> so I don't know. Both teams would have just booted it to the other team. I don't, I don't really know what would have happened there. But uh, guys, we have to talk about the final now. I mean, it feels like we've. Uh, We've uh, probably elaborated uh, a little bit more on the semi-finals than what we had uh, planned to, but um, yeah, it leaves for an well less um, surprising final, will we say? But um, who who's going to win this one, Manu? Who who do you see um, coming out on top? I mean, we've just bummed up uh, Monterey and how good they are. Do, do you see them getting the better of um, of Tigre? 
I hate the fact that you came to me first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we, we can look at things, you know, I, I, I keep going to Ole, don't I? But, I mean, likes of uh, Monterey, obviously they finished yeah. the, the league section um, higher. They've been on a better form, I would say. Uh, they've looked more convincing. Uh, we've just talked about how good they are without the ball, uh, which works in their favour. But also, Tigres, we know, aren't the best when it comes to finals either. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think we all expect Monterey to, to finish the job and get it done. And it's such a such a grand occasion to have those two teams play in the final against each other. The two Monterey sides, right? It's the first ever Clásico Regiomontano um, in in history at the final. So it's it's an interesting one. There's so many intriguing storylines. I mean, the derby alone makes it so interesting. And it is such an important... Uh, the Classico, Classico Regio is such an important derby in Mexican football. Cobra 90 actually did a wonderful story on this. So if you want to go check that out, go for it. YouTube, it's on there. Um, so there's that storyline already. Is There's so much there. But on top of that, you have the two most expensive, best teams play against each other. Both sides have so much firepower. But at the same time, they, they, these very two different philosophies, right, Oli? I mean, on the one hand, you have Antonio Mohamed, um, who's all the things that we just discussed. And then you have um, Ferretti on the other side, the Brazilian-Mexican coach, who has been a Tigris for ages now. And he's, he's more kind of like the Carlo Ancelotti kind of coach, like a very tactical guy. And it's, it's going to be fascinating um, watching those two teams play and um, because it's such a clash it's not not just the clash of the two city rivals you know Tigres obviously the more white collar Monterey the more upper class but it's also the the suburb against the the city and then of course of that you have these this clash of these two coaching philosophies and that's 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 so intriguing it's it's going to be such a fascinating game or two games we're going to get 180 minutes of this um I think if you live in Europe and you have to stay up for it, I think you you pretty much need to because it's just going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be so worth it because it's just it's what it's what you always said. There's like the whole culture, like this Monterey seems to be such a football mad city. I think I've just come to learn this now of like the past year and a half covering Mexico. It's like this seems to be the only two stadiums, Monterey's Tigres, that seem to have just sellouts week in week out. It's just so impressive. You look at other teams. Okay, Dolce doing well, so. But even like Club America don't able to sell out. Cruz all got to the Ligia quarterfinals. They didn't really seem to sell out. So there's just something about Monterey that just draws people to football. And you think both the Magic to Sweet are going to absolutely be, especially Ferretti, he's going to be absolutely drilling into his players what we have to do to stop Monterey, what we have to do to stop Hurtado, Pabon, Funes Mori, etc. And then what we have to do to attack what Valencia, Vargas, Gina, what we have to do. It's just gonna, yeah. It's gonna be such a intriguing, just tactical battle of. It's, it's what you said. It's just two two sides, two major. Have their their own philosophies of how they want to play. And it's just gonna be. It's because obviously, Monte, it could be similar. To, I don't want to say it could be similar to Monterey Monarchos, but obviously Tigre are going to play in the same way as Monarchos have, and Monterey going to allow Tigre to play like that. You're just going to see how Tigre are going to work out to break this side down and make sure they don't allow them to counter-attack. I mean, could Ferretti switch back to a five at the back, maybe, like he did early on? I'd be very surprised, but it's something that he could possibly do if he just wants to just sort of change it up and try and just mess around with Monterey a bit. Yeah, but can he do that with all the attacking um, players he has? Yeah. That's the thing. He's, then he's going to have to leave out one of like Vargas and Valencia. He's, he's, would he do that for the final? I mean, he did that prior in the quarterfinals but I he, he probably can't do that again because there'd just be such a massive backlash so I mean it would be a hell of a risk but is it a risk worth taking to just try and stop them but yeah it, it would be if, I mean saying now probably would be a little bit silly to do that but mm. yeah it, it's it's just going to be so intriguing I mean it's, it's worth staying up till 3 4 a.m to catch it because yeah. it's just it's the, the first thing that is because it's just going to be just so full-on if we if we take the uh, coaches um, head to heads as well in this one, there's not a lot between that either. To be honest, I mean we've got Ferretti with eight wins, we've got Mohammed with seven wins, 
had three draws. So that doesn't even give us any indication as to which one has really got the best over the other one in the previous years. Anyone want to call it? I think that Tigres maybe have a bit more experience in recent years playing finals. But on the other hand, Monterey, unlike Tigres, has won three CONCACAF Champions League finals in a row. Um, and therefore, you know, has seems to have that ability to, to get the job done in the final. Tigres like to not get it done in the final. On the other hand, Tigres won it last year in the Clausura and the Upper Tour, sorry. Um, and Monterey haven't won it since 2010. Um, what does that mean, right? It's it's a tough one to call, at the very it's, least. It's, yeah, it's it's a tough one to call as well because you look at all these uh, previous head-to-heads and these um, previous stats on who's won it last and that, and it's hard to tell how much they actually make a difference as well when it comes to this mm-hmm. because Monterey have never looked like this in previous years anyway, or, to, or since. 2010 at least you know they they have not looked like this side and, and as we said this um type of tactical setup as well is is something a bit new as well um i would say that ferretti and uh, maybe uh, some of his players while they've got experience of getting deep into these competitions as well i don't know whether gonna, there's going to be a little bit of pressure just in the back of of, of his mind especially you know, because he's got this uh, issue around finals, you know, where Monterey, I feel there's less pressure on, but I suppose in saying that, I could say that Monterey may go into this favourites, therefore that piles on pressure. So it's a very difficult one to call, yeah. I think. Um, about, sorry, go on. If yeah. I was to put money on it, I, I'll prob- probably go Monterey. Yeah, I, I think the other thing, the other factor that you have to add, there is no home and away, right? Because, I mean, obviously they're playing in two different stadiums, but you don't have that uh, altitude difference. You don't have the long travel in this one because they're playing in the same city or region, um, which makes ads even further. This is a 50-50 game, Bryce. That's, that's how I see it. I see it as a 50-50 over 180 minutes game, and I could see this go all the way. I mean, extra time, penalties, red cards, flares, emotions. <laughs> uh, I think the it will be little things that will decide this game. Um, really tiny things, you know, daily form. How well is Gignac going to be in form? Is Hurtado going to be fit? Um, how is Furious, Funes Mori, who fanta- was fantastic in the semifinal, is he going to be able to carry his form into the final? It's, it's those kind of things. Um, you know, even little things. It's like, how are they going to sleep the night before? Um, all this kind of stuff will play into it, so it's such a hard one to call. I if I would if I would call it right now, I would say Monterey, but maybe by uh, fifty-one to forty-nine <laughs> percent. Yeah, Ollie, how how are you calling it? If if, if you're really pushed, who do you think is going to come out on top on this? If one? I have to be pushed, I would say Monterey, but on penalties. Because mm. I think it's also worth worth mentioning that there's in the final there's there's no away goals, so. Yeah. So that has made that bit of a difference that if Tigre were to get a goal in uh, Tigre, sorry, if Monterey were to get a goal in the first leg, doesn't necessarily mean Tigre now have to go and go to Monterey score two, which could be, which is probably well, obviously going to be a massive help because you, you think of Monarchas having to go and having to score two, having to like sort of attack from the off. Tigre won't have to do that if they're one goal behind. They can sort of just play their game, play their normal game. I'm a huge fan of that rule, by the way. It, yeah. it will basically means we're all going to have four even halves mm-hmm. because they could once I could lose the first game 3-0 but it wouldn't mean anything nothing exactly. at all yeah it's not game set and match no I, I, I mean it is because you're three goals down but there's not that hidden rule to it so yeah. that added feature yeah, I suppose you, you could just attack right you wouldn't have to worry about conceding goals because even if you concede goals and you score five you still tie the match mm-hmm Right, you you do you don't have anything tactical to worry about. It's just about you winning the game over 180 minutes. Exactly. Well, guys, we're just gonna have to wait and see how it all goes. Hey, eh? we we've got it on um well over the water, so uh, over in 
America, uh, Mexico. It's going to be on Wednesday night, but here in, in the UK and Europe, it'll be on very early hours of uh, Thursday morning. And the second leg then will be on and sun, sun, well, Sunday night going into uh, Monday morning. Uh, so, yeah, very, uh, very exciting. Uh, guys, if, if you're to watch one uh, game or two in this case, um, this uh, year, it's it's got to be this. You know, you've got to tune in for this. This, this is going to be something special. Yes, Oli and I and Manu will be very tired from this, but it's going to be absolutely worth it. But um, just before we go, uh, I feel, um, well, Manu, you, you've wanted to speak about, um, well, something that we never really speak about and that's the Asensio so so the second division in Mexico uh, they had their final so Manu what is it you wanted to discuss about this I mean it's for anyone that's unsure we may have mentioned it before but it's set up uh, the same so it's um, it's a a league and then it goes into the playoffs Um, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong but the the winner of the Asensio uh, or the Essentio Apertura and then the Essentio Clausura, so the first half and the second half, then they play each other to then get promoted, don't they? Yeah, unless yes. unless someone manages yes. to win both, then yes, no that, final. Yeah, e- exactly. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's as simple as that, really. Uh, but uh, Manu, you wanted to speak uh, about the final. Yeah, because we now know that Oaxaca they beat uh, Juarez in in the final of the Apertura. That means they're not promoted, but they are in the final, right? Um, of course, if they win the Clausura, which I don't think is likely, then they would go up. The problem is with uh, Alebres de Oaxaca, they uh, they don't have a stadium that meets Liga MX criteria, and they were not on the list of possibly one of the teams that could get promoted. Um, something that we criticized on this part before because we feel that everyone should get promoted. Now, there seems to be a solution. They they seem to be able to um, convince the city of Oaxaca, which is actually a rich city in Mexico. It's one of the also richest in terms of culture and food. Um, they finally convinced them to put money into the stadium. So if they do manage to win the clausura as well and gain promotion, they will actually, it looks like, be able to get uh, promoted. And it's funny because their lapis are actually the grasshoppers and it's actually something that they eat down there. Um, just a little side note. But yeah, it's 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 a cool cool story. And I think Oaxaca would be an interesting city to get up to the first division because it's just um, a really beautiful city in Mexico, a beautiful part of, of the world. And it also shows that, you know, if this this rule that they brought in um, to basically say, well, if you want to play in Liga MX, you have to have certain types of facilities, you have to have certain kinds of infrastructure. It it seems that all of a sudden cities, when they when they get a sniff of first division football, they all of a sudden seem to be interested in making it happen. So this is actually something that might help um, grow the league. And that's it. Since um, as you mentioned, so oh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to have to ask how you pronounce this. Oaxaca. Oaxaca. <laughs> that, that's how good my pronunciations are. It is a difficult uh, one though, because there's lots of O's and A's and X's. O A X A C A. I've never stood a chance for that, but um, yeah, they actually finished fifth uh, in the standings. So um, yeah, well done to them um, managing uh, that feat. It'll be uh, interesting to see who they face um, come the end of the Clausura. Uh, uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on that, and I, I feel maybe we'll report on it a little bit more uh, frequently than what we have. Um, I I feel as well before we go, um, all you you interesting a bit of news, um, transfer wise, didn't we in the Essentio? Uh, who who exactly was this? Yeah, it's a uh, Atletico San Luis, obviously now owned by Atletico Madrid, uh, signed an signed ex Liverpool, PSG, and Juve of you in inverted commas star Mohamed Sissoko. Which is a very strange signing. I saw it at the weekend. It was just a little bit baffled as to why they've brought this guy in. It's he's obviously going to. He's surely he's going to be on some money because obviously Atletico Madrid own Atletico San Luis, so they're going to have a bit of something behind them. I'm just trying to figure out like what is it, what's he going to bring to the side? He's 32. He's been playing in India and uh, Indonesia and China for like the best part of the last few years. So. 
I mean, it, it, it will boost the profile. I mean, the BBC were reporting about it, for example. So it's all, always a good sign. But in terms of just pure footballing reasons, I, I don't know how it's going to work out for him, to be honest. Experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I, mm-hmm. Interesting to, uh, to, to hear what experience they think they're getting. Exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting how that one pans out as well. Um, Guys, we've only probably got a, a minute left or so. Um, I want to go to both of you. We'll go to Oli first, though, I, I feel, because uh, Manu's already spoke about this on the Giga Person uh, podcast. But, um, Oli, do you think that Mexico, uh, with the World Cup draw, they're in with Germany, they're in with Sweden, they're in with um, South Korea. Uh, how do you feel they'll get on? Should they get out of that group? I think they will get out of that group. I think they do have a good enough side. That they're able to sort of get past, uh, definitely get past South Korea and Germany. I mean, that sort of can sort of any, they get anything that would be amazing in their first group game. But I, I, I can see them getting out of the knockout stage and then just sort of just going from there. I, I do believe they have a sh- on paper they have a stronger side than Sweden and South Korea. It does if Osario decides to rotate wildly, then we may be looking at them seeing them finishing third or fourth. Um, I th- I think it's going to be I think them and Sweden that's the uh, last game of yeah, the that's going to be a massive game yeah that yeah winner takes all mm-hmm. in my eyes uh, Manu I'd imagine that you're quite happy with the draw from a, a German perspective um, but uh, how do you feel uh, Mexico will get on do you think Mexico are better than Sweden I think uh, all of us are probably in agreement that Mexico and Sweden are a little bit better than South Korea. That's that's a tricky group for anyone behind Germany. I think it's every anyone could take it, right? Of the mm-hmm. three teams, um, I do reckon though that Mexico will be the second place team in that group. Yeah, I hope so. Obviously, we have a uh, keen interest in Mexican football, and I hope that that is the case. It would be very interesting just to see um, how Sario um, takes the challenge. Um, coming up against uh, Germany, who can easily uh, breeze past uh, Mexico in the Confederations Cup with what we'd say is probably their second or third side. Uh, but, um, yeah, uh, one for us to uh, put in the diary and uh, look forward to that first game for El Trey will be against Germany on Sunday the 17th of June. Um, guys, that more or less does it. It's a bit odd, isn't it? We've only got one more pod to go. Um, which will be um, probably this time next week. Um, and then, well, that's that's the first campaign done. I'm yep. sure we'll be back after that. But um, I would imagine that we're going to be going out with a bang. I say that it'll probably be nil-nil and both won it. But um, <laughs> no, I, I, I really doubt that. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure uh, you guys are as well. But um, uh, Manu, is there anything that you would like to uh, bring to the attention uh, to uh, any of the listeners out there? Yeah, we're going to probably preview this final. Like we are also going to preview the um, MLS final, of course, that's going to take place this weekend as well. And then, of course, we have the Champions League previews, match day six, all out already. You can find them at Football Grad Live. And then a bunch of us were at games this weekend. So, yeah, I guess just follow at Football Grad Live. Um, all of that will be over there. Yeah, definitely uh, follow uh, at Football Grad Live for lots of updates uh, across the different leagues uh, around the world, really. Previews, uh, match reports, everything you possibly want. Um, Ollie, you're a very good man for uh, tuning into the Mexican games <laughs> and tweeting during it. So um, anyone that wants to um, keep up to date and maybe interact with, with Ollie um, on Twitter, um, I'm setting you up for a world of abuse here, aren't I? Uh, <laughs> but uh, what, what is your Twitter handle there, Ollie? It is at FR Football Ollie, O-L-L-Y. Yes, so I'll definitely be having lots of cups of coffee on a Thursday morning to keep myself fully awake for the for the game. It's going to be tricky, but after two more games to go, I think I think I can manage it. I might also be live tweeting Blackburn this weekend because I'm going to see them away at Peterborough. So if anybody wants to follow me for that as well, you're more than welcome to. I can't imagine many will, but I will be tweeting about it. <laughs> See, we're covering all the big games. <laughs> um, I, I've been your host, uh, Bryce Dunn. Um, if uh, if you're interested in German football, the only thing I've got to uh, plug really is uh, 
you know, apart from this pod, it would be the gig and pressing uh, Bundesliga podcast as well. We we had a uh, John McKenzie on there this weekend. It was another fantastic one. So um, yeah, apart from that, um, enjoy the final. Uh, we certainly will, and we'll be back to talk about it all this time next week. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll speak to you then. Love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.